Welcome to the Kalos Church Podcast. We're so honored that you're joining us today. The word Kalos is a poorly pronounced Greek word that means beautiful. And we believe here at Kalos that the words and the ways of Jesus are very beautiful. That's why each week we're bringing content to make known that beauty. So let's go ahead and jump right in to this last Sunday's sermon. Today, we celebrate the resurrection of Jesus Christ, amen? And I'm excited to get into the word of God. We get to rejoice that death has been defeated. When we have despair, we have a reason for hope. When we feel like we've hit our dead end, we have a reason to believe that we can move forward with life and that the worst things in our life are not the final things in our life. Can I get a good amen? And so with billions of people around the earth right now, we boldly declare, He is risen! He is risen indeed! One more time, He is risen! He is risen indeed! And there are times, though, where we do encounter death, loss, despair, setbacks, and we deal with those kind of losses all in different kinds of ways. Yes, so we want to ask you this morning, it's a little bit of a heavy question, but it's a good question for us to reflect on. Have you ever felt like giving up? Have you ever felt overwhelmed by death and despair? We want to talk to you about a part of the resurrection story this morning where Mary, who is a follower of Jesus, who's been, whose life has been transformed by Jesus, has to come to this realization that Jesus, who she loves so much, has been tortured and killed to death. And Mary is in this situation where she is beginning to realize that the person that she gave her life to, spent her life with, what if it was all wrong? Because Jesus is dead. How could Jesus be dead? Let's read this scripture in John chapter 20. Starting in verse 11, Mary was standing outside the tomb crying, and as she wept, she stopped and looked in. She saw two white-robed angels, one sitting at the head and the other at the foot of the place where the body of Jesus had been lying. Dear woman, why are you crying? The angels asked her. Because they have taken away my Lord, she replied. And I don't know where they have put him. She turned to leave and saw someone standing there. It was Jesus, but she didn't recognize him. Dear woman, why are you crying? Jesus asked her. Who are you looking for? She thought he was the gardener. Sir, she said, if you have taken him away, tell me where you have put him and I will go and get him. Mary, Jesus said, she turned to him and cried out Rabboni, which is Hebrew for teacher. So Mary is dealing with loss, grief, despair, regret. Did I follow the wrong person? Did I give my life for the wrong cause? And here she's dealing with that confusion, that grief by weeping and lingering at the tomb. We all deal with loss differently. You know, a, a while back, Amritha and I went on a hike in the Snoqualmie Pass, about 40 minutes from Bellevue. We get there, have this great hike in the snow, and on our 40 minute drive back, Amritha looks at me with alarm in her eyes and she says, I, I lost it. I can't, found, can't find it. I lost my, my wedding ring. That's right. I was panicking. I was panicking. I like got lost in the story for a second. So I'm driving 
are driving and you know how sometimes when you're wearing a ring you just sort of have this habit of playing with it anybody you just with me and so i like go to play with my ring and it's not there it's not there and i immediately my heart just sinks and i'm like immediately where in the world could it be i can't even remember taking it off and i'm literally thinking now i have to tell him that i can't find my wedding ring so i'm completely freaking out i mean you guys this is the best gift he's ever given me other than our children okay like so this is a really important gift to me so we pull over on the side of the road and we're just praying to god that it fell in the car somewhere right so we just start ripping apart our car, looking for my ring, and we cannot find it. Go ahead. Yeah, so and we deal with loss very differently. So she she's <laughs> looking all around the car, retracing her steps. I'm just yelling at her, why did you do this? Why did you do this? How could you do this? So she's like getting productive, looking for solutions. I'm just like, all right, retrace your step. Think, you have to think, because I, in the back of my mind, I don't know how American laws work, but I'm like, if she loses a ring, are we legally married anymore? Like, I'm not a lawyer. How does this work? So I'm like, I got to rethink everything. Okay. So we all deal with us differently, okay? You can understand why I needed to find this ring. Okay. So we drive back to the gas station that we had filled up with gas, and there was snow all over the ground. Mounds of snow. So we get out of the car, and we are just looking through the snow. And I don't know if you know this about snow, but it's really sparkly. My ring is sparkly. So we're just like, how are we going to find this ring in the snow? So we begin to search and search and search. Can't find it. You guys, I was totally defeated. I was like, oh my gosh, like we can't find my ring. Like, yeah, we can get another ring, but this is the ring, you know, like, and so we, I just decide I'm going to go inside the gas station. Maybe for some reason, somebody would have found it and given it, you know, to them or something. So I go in there just defeated. And I look at this lady at the counter and I'm like you wouldn't happen to have found a ring somewhere outside did you and she holds up her hand and my ring was on her finger and she looks at me and she said you are one lucky woman and I reached across the counter and I hugged this woman because my ring was saved people it was amazing I couldn't believe that there was a good human being that was outside in this gas station, found a ring in the sparkly snow, and decided to return it. I mean, there are still good people out there. Isn't that incredible? So we all deal with loss very differently. And we are proud to say we are still legally married today. Though I may have been married to that lady for like a split second. <laughs> I don't know how it works. I don't know how it works. That, wow. <laughs> yes. So although that is a little bit of a silly uh, story and example, the reality is, is that we all experience loss and grief differently. And there are all kinds of different loss. And I want to name some of them because I think sometimes we're going through loss and grief and we haven't even been able to identify that that's what we're going through. There is job loss. I mean, even in our city, there have been thousands of people that have lost their jobs recently. And you may be sitting here like, yes, I am grieving the loss of my job. Moving, just like Yuna was saying up here. Yes, it's exciting to go on a new adventure. Maybe you just moved to Seattle. We meet people every single week at church who are 
were like, yesterday I moved here. Like a week ago I moved here. And so maybe just moving is an adventure, but you had to say goodbye. There is a loss of your home, a loss of your community. There can be a loss in relationships and friendship. There's a loss in divorce when marriages end. Loss in relationship is just so really deeply painful. Maybe there was a business collapse for you or a church collapse for you. I mean, even though COVID is sort of technically over, there are a lot of ramifications. There has just been loss that are that is still affecting people today. And the truth is that loss, I don't know if you realize this, but loss sometimes when you're grieving, it makes you just not even feel like yourself anymore sometimes. And and loss just doesn't care. Grief doesn't care what's happening in your life. It'll show up in some of the worst times. You know what I mean? Like it does not go with your schedule. Like, can I put some grieving over here in this part of my schedule? No, loss does not. Grief does not work like that. And the truth is we all handle loss differently. Maybe you're somebody who's like a turtle. When you go through loss and you go through grief, you kind of hide back in and go back into yourself. And you kind of put out this hard exterior. Maybe you even just completely disassociate because you cannot feel those feelings of loss and grief. Or maybe you're just completely in denial, you know? And so loss has just really hit you and you're one of those people that just kind of shrinks back into yourself. Or maybe you're the kind of person who deals with loss and grief like a skunk. You're going through something and you just spray it all over everyone, right? You don't care what's going on or who's in front of you. You're wearing your emotions on your sleeve. You're clearly going through something. You're unpredictable with your mood. Nobody knows what is about to come out of your mouth or the the vibe that you are going to be giving in the house today, right? Like you are one of those people that just sort of sprays all over. And how many of you know that skunks and turtles often marry each other, right? Can you guess in this relationship who the skunk is? You don't want to say that I'm a skunk on Easter. I appreciate that. I appreciate that. (laughs) So this is what happens, right? And I think the other thing that can happen with profound loss in our lives is we just begin to cope. And sometimes our coping mechanisms are very destructive. We don't even realize it, that we're just coping, we're just hanging on. So we become addicted to different drugs and different issues in our life. We isolate. I mean, sometimes loss and pain can be so horrible that we even struggle with suicidal thoughts. There is a lot that can happen for us in loss and grief. And I just want to ask you today, it's a good question to ask, how do you deal with grief? How do you deal with loss? Are you even willing to deal with it. And so today we want to zoom in on the original Easter story to see how Jesus enters into this moment of loss with Mary at the tomb. And we want to share three encouraging points. The first one we want to share is that Jesus, he enters our death. He enters our loss. He enters our grief and despair. And so let's recap on this story in John 20. So Mary is standing outside the tomb crying. She's weeping. She's looking. And she has this encounter with Jesus. And she says in verse 14, she turned to leave and saw someone standing there. And it was Jesus, but she didn't even recognize him. And Jesus says, dear woman, why are you crying? Who are you looking for? And so Jesus is encountering this woman who's obviously distraught, confused, in pain. And 
he enters her world by asking a question of curiosity. And, you know, if I was Jesus, I would probably do things a little bit differently because Jesus is now resurrected. He's turned back the sting of death for all time. He's introduced a new humanity. He has a new glorified body and he speaks to her and he enters her world. But just full disclosure, if that was me, I'd be like, look at my body. Like, I say that now and I don't even have my glorified body. Debatable, but I don't have my glorified body yet. <laughs> so I'd be like, <laughs> hey, don't laugh too hard. <laughs> you should not laugh so that hard. That was like a new part of the joke. <laughs> okay. I had You're laughing too hard. <laughs> All right, anyways, I'd be like, look at, look at my body. And uh, instead, he finds this woman. He's glorified. All of humanity is in a brand new season of existence. But the first thing Jesus does is he enters her situation. He says, in his new body, the first thing he says, ushering this new milestone for all of humanity, his first word is woman. I mean, talking about bringing dignity to all women. Talk about reversing the course of this, this person's distress. He enters the world and not only says woman, he says, why are you crying? Tell me more about what's going on. And I know this is sometimes something we don't like to do. We like to put on our best and we don't like to be seen in our pain, but Jesus enters those situations. You know, we watch movies a lot and I shared this in a sermon a couple of weeks ago. We've been watching these shows, specifically the show called The Chosen about the life of Jesus. Anybody see that show? It's just so beautiful. And I like cry in every episode and I don't cry a lot. And so Amrita, when she sees me crying, she turns off the TV, turns on the lights, stares at me, pulls out a flashlight, blasts it in my face and is like, hey, you crying? Huh, you little baby, you crying? Huh, you want a bottle? And I'm like, oh my goodness. She's looking at me in my pain and my tear. And I said I'd give you a chance to give your point. Yes, let me give you my point. Yeah, he doesn't cry very much, okay? So then when he's crying in this show, I'm looking at him and I'm like, are you crying, honey? That's so cute that you're crying. Listen, I am a proponent. I think real men cry, okay? Like, I believe that is true. Give it up for pretty even crying. That manly cry. <laughs> Thank you. In my non-glorified body. It, so Jesus, he asked this question, why are you crying? And today I, I want you to know he's asking you the same question. He's entering in your pain, your death. The things that bother you bother him. And I think sometimes we think I got to clean myself. I got to get my life right. And then I can approach Jesus or I can go to church. The fact is Jesus doesn't want to love the strong version you're pretending to be. He wants to love you as you are right now, the good, the bad, the ugly, all of it. And he's asking the same situation, like, what's going on with you? You know, uh, in the year 2015, we got pregnant for the first time. And sadly, that first pregnancy ended in a miscarriage. And it created a lot of insecurity in our lives. Did we do something wrong? Can we ever have a baby? What's going on here? And uh, there's a pastor in our life, and she approached Amritha and said, hey, I just wanna let you know, uh, I've been keeping my distance from you on purpose. I wanted to see if in this time of trial and crisis and pain that you're going through, I wanted to see if you would abandon God or not. I wanted to see if you would have the faith to stand up and move without my support. And I think that's a really gross statement, to be honest. 
And it's kind of the opposite of what we see in Jesus in this story. Because this is what Jesus has been like for me in my times of pain. Psalm 34, 18. The Lord is close to the brokenhearted. He doesn't like back away until you get everything right and figure it out. He doesn't wait for all the emotions to subside. And then he says, I can love you. The Lord is close to the brokenhearted. He comes to us in those times. And he rescues those whose spirits are crushed. And so if you come today, your spirit is crushed. You're grieving. You're lost. You're confused. You're going through something. I want you to know that like Mary, who thought she was talking to the gardener and it was actually Jesus, I believe that God's closer to you right now than you even realize. He's with you and he wants to be with you. Amen. Amen. The second thought that we have for you today is that Jesus defeats death. Jesus defeats death. You know, he doesn't just acknowledge it. He doesn't just enter it. He is the remedy for our for death. He is the remedy for our pain and for our grief. You know, the story of Easter is this. Yes, there is life after death, but Easter is saying Jesus has overcome death. He is the remedy for death, right? And Mary is sitting there. She is weeping. This man has changed her life. She's losing somebody that she feels so bonded to and connected to. And, and all of a sudden, and she's thinking, what on earth is happening? And she does something really interesting. She gets back up and she peers into the tomb and she notices that Jesus's body is gone. Already things were horrible and they just got worse. Where would they have taken Jesus's body? I mean, how many of you have been there? Things are bad. It just keeps getting worse. And this can be a really hard reality. And so she peeks in and just about the time that she's like, no, I am going to go get Jesus's body. Jesus shows up behind her and says, Mary. And you know what Mary does? She turns to Jesus. She turns to Jesus. And I want to tell you this morning that the only reason that Mary could turn to Jesus is because Jesus had turned her circumstance around. He had turned her whole dark situation and grief and mourning and sorrow around in a moment. And there he was standing before her. And I want to tell you this this morning. And I say this with all authenticity. Jesus is still changing circumstances today. He is. And I know that that can be difficult to believe, but God is doing that. You know, my daughter actually... Uh, had an experience where she had to realize that she was not stuck in loss forever. Because sometimes it feels like we're just stuck in our loss and our grief for a long time. And so she says to me one day, she says, mom, can I watch my show? And I said, not right now. No, not right now. I don't want you to watch your show. And she looks at me with her big eyes. And she says in the most dramatic voice, but mom, you're never going to let me watch my show again. You know, and I'm like, Nala, that is not true. See, I had a different perspective. I was going to let her watch her show in a couple of hours, but for her, it was eternity, right? Like she was stuck in that loss. She's never going to let me watch that show again, you know, like, and, and although that is kind of a silly example, I think it can feel like, and I've been there where it feels like loss and sorrow and grief will not lift. And you just feel like you need it to lift. You need it to change. You need it to move. And I want to tell you this morning that sometimes Jesus will turn our circumstances around in a moment 
And sometimes it is a gradual process. It's a gradual process. And this is something that I have needed to know about God in my own life. Because when we talk about the powerful resurrection of Jesus Christ, I think we often think about it happening in a miraculous moment. We have a really incredible man of God here at our church. His name is Todd Shaw. He was in our choir this morning. And Todd testified a few weeks ago about how he had this growth on his body, a lump on his body. And he didn't know where it was from or what was happening. It was painful. It was kind of embarrassing. He didn't really want to talk about it, but we had an altar call ministry one Sunday, and Nathan, our worship leader, was up here praying over people, and uh, Todd came up. Nathan laid his hands on Todd and prayed for him, and two days later, Todd's lump was completely gone. Isn't that incredible? Come on. You can give it up to Jesus for that. It's amazing how God will work, but then there are other times like Pastor Pradeepan and I in our story, where we come into another Easter, not seeing the miracle that we have been praying for for years. Maybe you've been there before and you experienced that. And you know, we believe, we believe deeply. We're not making this up. Even when we haven't seen it, we believe that Jesus rose from the dead and he conquered death and he's changing situations. And yet we're still in a situation that causes us a lot of grief and sorrow. And many of you know, and if you don't, we have a little boy who's seven years old and he struggles with severe autism and developmental disabilities. And uh, his future looks really, really difficult if God does not do a miracle in his life. But can I be honest with you? After years and years of praying, nothing for this boy has happened quickly. Okay, this situation has not happened or changed very quickly. But I want to tell you something. The resurrection power of Jesus Christ still lives and is involved deeply in our situation. And this is how. A couple, in January, we had another young woman in our church come up to me and she said, Amrita, I really feel led by the Spirit of God to ask you if the whole church could pray over your little boy. And I said, okay, like, let's go for it, you know? And I tell you what, we, she prayed over him. And three months later, as of two weeks ago, my little boy, who's seven years old, is officially potty trained. Okay? Like, this was a big victory in our lives. Some of you are like, seven? I know that's a long, trust me, I know that's a long time. But we had doctors and therapists who said that may never happen. That may never be his reality. And I want to tell you that whether it's quick or whether it's gradual, the resurrection power of Jesus Christ is alive. And he can turn your situation around. I believe it with all of my heart. For those of you that need hope this morning, I have a scripture for you. Romans 8, 11 says this, the spirit of God who raised Jesus from the dead lives in you. And just as God raised Jesus Christ from the dead, he will give life to your mortal bodies by his, by this same spirit living in you. You can live with the reality of his resurrection power this morning in the midst of life in the midst of death, in the midst of grief, that doesn't mean that his resurrection power isn't real. It's still real today. I want to end with this quote by Robert Platt that says this, the resurrection gives my life meaning and direction and the opportunity to start over no matter what my circumstances. Amen.
We want to show you a story today of someone in our church who is very familiar with loss, and we want you to see what God has done in her life. Hi, I'm Jennifer McDaniels, and I'm going to share my testimony of one of the darkest times in my life. Uh, when I was 31, my son woke up in terrible pain, and we rushed into the hospital to find that his appendix had ruptured. They did the surgery and found blue brown cell tumors, which was cancerous. And it was the fastest growing cancer known man. It goes every 18 hours and it's called Berkus lymphoma. And he went through all the treatments, all therapy, did amazing. And about six months in, he relapsed the first time. It started off at the size of a golf ball, and the second time was the size of a grapefruit. And we had faith, and we stood on God's world of healing, and just knowing that God was going to heal him. But then, five months later, he relapsed for the work, and it traveled through his spine and his brain. And in that, he had a 99% foul. It was basically, um, if God in Medillo, he was one to pass. And unfortunately, um, at the age 13, he ended up passing. And um, it was the darkest moment of my life. I didn't want to live. I've never smoked anything in my life, never been drunk. I didn't want to do all the things because I was so numb. I didn't want to feel the pain. I was losing a son at 32 years old, who was amazing, who loved God, who encouraged, who brought prayer back in school. I was like, God, why? Why take that one? It's not when the kids out there like that. I got to such a dark place that when I looked in the mirror, I didn't see me. My husband said, go pray, go talk to God. I said, I'm done talking to him. There's no talking, he don't listen. I was traveling down this dark tunnel, swaying with the enemy, just saying, if God was real, why did he take your son? If God was real, why didn't he heal him? If God was real, why did he take your father? If God was real, why did he take your brother? If God was real, why did he answer the prayers that you've been praying? If God was real, I was traveling down this tunnel to the point where I saw the fence of Satan. And I opened my eyes and my spirit peeked what was left of it and said, please bring in my mind as I'm gone. How did I survive the pain of losing a child at 32? Yeah, he's so merciful and he loves us so much. He gave his son for us. So why not give my son his own bar company back to him? He told me his purpose was finished. Every time I said the why, God, why him? He said he fulfilled his purpose. He said he touched more lives than some adults at the age 13. His friend was over 800 people with only standing room outside the sanctuary. And it's the most beautiful thing that So I encourage you, those who are lost, those who have to stop believing or maybe on his way to not believe or been going through something tragic that you're like, how can I make it? His own minds on borrowed time. And as Mary gave her son for us, 
as he went to the cross, he died for us. Ethan said in the house, bro, he said, Mom, cancer stops at me. So, Mom, whatever God's will is for my life, it will be. But he said, cancer stops at me. And within a week later, he passed away. And he had a smile on his face as he crossed over. And he said, Mom, I'm tired. And that I lost hope. But in that I found Christ even strong. I got so close to Christ because that's all I could depend on. That's all I needed. So if you're going out there, you lose a hope and you're in grief, just know that God is real. He loves you. He's a keeper. It's continuous walk with you. I'm a middle witness. God is real. He will keep you, but you got to draw close to him. And that's my testimony. Wow. Powerful. Jennifer, thank you so much for sharing that with us and being so vulnerable. The strength to share that, it's incredible. And the beauty that life can come out of death. I don't know how this 13-year-old boy, other than the Spirit of God, could say, Mom, cancer stops with me. And then in the funeral, 800 people plus, seeing the testimony of a young man who, who ended his life firm, standing for the name of Jesus. It's beautiful. It's, it's so beautiful. And for those of us dealing with lost and those of us dealing with despair and we're wondering what God is doing, we want to encourage you this morning that God is close to the brokenhearted and he rescues those whose spirits are crushed. And we have found this truth to be true, but that oftentimes God uses our greatest pain for our greatest impact in this world. And that God can take things that seem impossible and a moment use it to insert hope and life in ways that are confusing. And this exact same situation happened to Mary. And sometimes it's hope on the other side of eternity. Sometimes it's hope in this lifetime. But ultimately there is hope. And point number three is Jesus brings life from death. And I want you to notice that Mary is in this situation where she's like, where is Jesus? Where is his body? How am I going to move forward? But then God takes that and he turns it completely around. And he says, hey, you were wondering where I was. And now I want you to tell the rest of the disciples where I am. Let's read it in John 20. Jesus says to Mary, but go find my brothers and tell them, I'm ascending to my father and your father, to my God and your God. And Mary Magdalene found the disciples and told them, I've seen the Lord. Then she gave them his message. And so Mary went from not knowing where Jesus was, but to tell the disciples where he currently is. And the, the part that was his, her greatest pain was now her greatest impact. And the context of this story is that like women were not even allowed to give a testimony in the Roman court system. They didn't have that. And yet Jesus trusted the greatest message of all time to a woman. And the first person to share the full gospel, the first person ever to share that he is risen, he is risen indeed. The first person to ever share that Jesus is alive was Mary in her point of distress, then being sent to the disciples to say, hey, disciples, let me as a woman teach you the true gospel. 
Jesus is alive. Isn't that wild? How Jesus took her great pain and used it for a great impact in a story that we're sharing all around the world. It's just so beautiful. And side, side, uh, uh, that's why we so believe in women preachers here. Because the first person to ever preach the full gospel was a woman teaching the other apostles. Can I get a good amen? amen. And I, I just think Jesus brings dignity to all of us in our situations, in our pain, our, our distress. And so we lean on a testimony like this. We lean on a testimony like what Jennifer shared with us and say, hey, there is life after loss. And for those of you in distress and loss and grief and pain, I just want to let you know I'm so sorry. It's so hard. It's so difficult. But God is close to the broken hearted. He can turn our situations around in his perfect timing. And he can use these situations he can use your life for his glory in a way that's beyond we could even ask or imagine. You know, in closing, I just want to share, like, in 2015, we had that miscarriage, and it was so difficult. And we drew near to God, and he drew near to us, and we felt like he spoke to us. Hey, I know you're struggling to, to build a physical family. I want you to focus, though, on building a spiritual family. Start a beautiful church in a beautiful place. And that's why we started Kalos Church, which means beautiful. It was out of that dark moment of death that this whole church exists. And now five years later, we're celebrating Easter in our very own building for the first time. And there's hundreds of people here encountering the love of God. And that grew out of death and pain. And I believe that your situation can be used to glorify God. And so will you let God turn your situation around? Will you let him enter your death and bring life from that death? Let's pray. Dear Lord, I pray that you would help us in our moments of grief, loss, despair, confusion, feeling abandoned, feeling left behind. And Lord, I, I, I pray that you'd help us to recognize that you're with us, just like when Mary recognized the gardener. Would you help us to see where you are, how you're working, what you're saying, how you love us. And Lord, would you, as you enter into our situations, would you turn our situation around, Lord. We bring you our finances and our health and our relationships and our family and our careers and the world and justice. We bring these all to you. Would you bring life from the death? Lord, would you turn it around? We place our trust in you. And we just want to, with boldness in every situation, say, Lord, you are risen. You are risen indeed. Thank you so much for joining us for the Kalos Church Podcast. Hey, if you feel comfortable, we would love to see you and meet you in person. We meet at 945 and 1130 every Sunday at the Hilton Garden Inn in downtown Bellevue. If you want to join us, head to www.kalos.church. You can get all the information you need and sign up so we can make sure there's a safe place for you to come and experience the beauty of Jesus with you. We'll see you next time.